1: See, Paul's saying when you understand your spiritual position, when you live with eternal perspective, when you destroy these earthly passions and and when you develop Christ-like patterns, then it will be evident that Jesus is ruling and reigning in your life. When others look at you, they will see Jesus... Good morning, church. Would you do me a favor? Would you welcome with me those who are joining us online and are watching at our other campuses? We're so grateful for technology. Sometimes it frustrates us, but it's such a gift that we're able to use for the glory of God. Hey, do me a favor. Take your copy of God's Word and turn to the little book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're continuing the series of messages called For Jesus And today's message is entitled, Let Jesus Rule. Let Jesus Rule. What do you think he looked like? Jesus. And and do you think they were surprised? The shepherds? They were sent to see the Messiah and maybe the setting and perhaps... The family was shocking. And then the three kings, a couple of years later, they came and and they were to pay their respect to give gifts to Jesus. And I mean, this is the king of kings? (laughs) He's in a peasant's home. Artists throughout history have have sought to depict what Jesus looked like. I, I would imagine many of them got it this wrong because a lot of the artists have skin. That's my color. And, and so they did in art, what we do in life and, and they created Jesus in their image. (laughs) And yet the reality is Jesus was middle Eastern. And, and so uh, maybe there are going to be some people that if, if we see Jesus bodily in his physical image, his earthly image in heaven are, are going to be like, wow, he's a lot darker skin than I imagined. What does Jesus look like? Well, I I was reading God's word, to, and I even found an illustrated Bible. But I realized that uh, those pictures were not part of the original. And so um, I don't think in the Bible we have a very clear physical description of Jesus. But we do have this. We're told that the way that people see Jesus today, are you ready for this? Is they look at us. They look at Christ's followers. The church and and the church, the the very purpose, the intent, the design of the church is that we represent Jesus. And, And so when When people look at us, they see Jesus. And and yet, I look at the church and the world, and man, it doesn't seem like we're making the impact that God wants us to make. It seems like often we're very ineffective. In fact, my my dear friend, Pastor Zach, his brother, Ayuba, is a missionary in the his home country of Niger and he ministers to children and you are a part of that ministry through your faithful giving. We, we support Ayuba in and help in his ministry uh, to children. And, and this year, he, uh, he, you know, in a pandemic, he he's had quite an impact to those children and, and he's been able to provide them meals that they would not have had because of you. And it, it's, it's such an impact that those in the community have noticed and even a, a Muslim imam A religious leader in in the Muslim faith, he came to him and and he said, thank you. And I I see the difference that you're making in in these children's life. And of course, Ayuba said, well, you know, I I do this because of Jesus. I'm just trying to demonstrate the love of Jesus in a a tangible way. And the imam said this. He said, yes, the, the more I know, the more I like about your Jesus. It's the Christians that I'm not very impressed with. I don't think that's just in Niger. I think that's true in Tampa. I think that's true around the world. I think people look at us, and and while we're supposed to be reflecting Jesus, I'm not sure we're doing a very good job as Christ followers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does it look like when Jesus rules, when Jesus reigns in our lives? There's a key verse I want you to get. This would be a good one for you to memorize. It's Colossians three seventeen. It says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, through him, to God the Father. Let's simply pray, Lord Jesus, would you rule in this place? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do come with grateful hearts. This is the day that you've made. And so in spite of everything else in the world, that gives me reason to rejoice and be glad today. Thank you. Now, God, we've opened your word. It's perfect. It's, it's, it's your word to us, and, and we need that today. So would you use that to make us look more like Jesus? Would you give us those things that we're lacking to make us more like Jesus? Would you teach us those things we don't know to make us more like Jesus? Would you transform us to make us more like Jesus? Lord Jesus, would you rule and reign in this place, in these moments, in our lives, today? And Jesus, begin in me. Let the words I say in my thoughts be pleasing to you. And then, Lord Jesus, Would you turn the light on for somebody today? We're we're going to talk about you, Jesus. Would you draw somebody to yourself today? Would you save someone today because they're here? And Lord, it may be someone that thinks they are saved. But would you give them that miracle of salvation today? And ultimately, Lord Jesus, we want all of this just to point to you. We want everything we do to point to you. So even now, we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Colossians, uh, let me remind you of the context a, a little bit, right? Paul, the apostle, is writing this letter to a church. So it, it's like it would be as if this Paul was writing a letter to this church, except the apostle Paul had never been to the church at Colossae. He, he just knew ab- about it, and he was hoping to visit soon. We know that because as he writes a, a sister letter to Philemon uh, right around the same time, he says, I, I want to see you there soon. But he's he's writing addressing problems, and and that's just a reminder to me the church has always had problems. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask you, have you ever left a church because they had problems? A lot of you would say, well, yeah, I have. And well, let me just tell you, say something. Welcome to the club, because the church has always had problems. A lot of times you'll have pastors like me say, we just need to be more like the early church. But but the truth is you read the New Testament and the early church was pretty screwed up. I mean, Paul had to write to the church at Corinth and say, Hey, you got one of your guys who's uh sleeping with his stepmother. I mean, things are not okay there. You, you you've got to address some of these problems. So Paul was addressing problems at the church at Colossae, and there were two primary threats. And there are threats I think we still deal with today. The first one was this. They didn't really acknowledge that Jesus is God. Now, don't get me wrong. They thought Jesus was good. He just wasn't God. Ultimately, this manifested itself in a philosophy called Gnosticism. And Jesus was not divine. He's a good prophet, but he's, he's not divine. He, he's not enough. And, and you know, the reality is I doubt any of you in here, Unless you're a guest and and someone twisted your arm today, I I doubt any of us would say Jesus is not God. But the practice of our life implies that we may think that. We're not treating him as if he's God, as if he's Lord, as if, if he's in charge. So um, that was one of the the threats that he was dealing with. Uh, The second threat is another problem I think we face. And I I think we face this problem because I, I look at the church, not just our church, but the church I've grown up in my whole life, the church in our culture. And in the church, you have this reality that a lot of people say they're part of the church. Tons of people say they're Christ followers. But most of them don't even show up. And then a lot of them that show up, I mean, they never do some of the basic things that not the preacher, but that scripture and Jesus himself said, they never tell others about Jesus. They they don't truly worship him in spirit and truth. Their their prayer lives are, are weak and wimpy and, and they're maybe they're never generous. In fact, they get mad and they leave churches when, when people talk about money or, or resources. And, and so the problem in Colossae was that they thought only a few could understand the mystery. Like there was a secret club a secret society that were really the true Christians. And the reality is some of you must think that way because you've not, you've not gotten in the game. You're kind of leaving it to others. You're not a part of what he's doing. And, and so to address these threats Paul's message was simple. It was two truths. He says, Jesus is supreme and Jesus is sufficient. And so that's what we've been saying every week. Jesus is supreme and Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is God. He is the Lord. He wants to rule and reign in your life. And whatever you're facing, Jesus is enough. And if you as a church begin to live like you believed that Jesus is enough, I'm just telling you, your children, your parents, your neighbors, your co-workers, your classmates, they would begin to say, oh, you look different. But we don't. And Chapter 3 really expresses that they really didn't either. So Paul was kind of writing them some tough truths. Verse 1. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins... The anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature, be renewed. As you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters. Would you say that phrase with me? Let's say, Christ is all that matters. One more time. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its writtenness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him. God the Father. May God add His blessing to His word, perfect and true, that we've read aloud. That key verse, I want to say it again to you, verse 17. And whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, (laughs) that's pretty wide margin, isn't it? Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him. To God the Father. Do you remember the theme of Jesus' preaching? Don't don't shout it out because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but really, you should know that Um, there's a lot in the Gospels that, that he taught, that he preached, and there was a theme. And the theme was the kingdom of God. That's why even at the end the disciples were confused because they knew that Jesus had come to usher in the kingdom. The problem is the kingdom didn't look like what they wanted. And man, that's still a problem today. A lot of those that call themselves disciples of Christ, it just doesn't look the way they want it to look. And so Jesus came to to rule. He he came to reign in his kingdom we're told that he's coming again but in the meantime we've learned from scripture that what he gives us the keys to the kingdom isn't that awesome church you and i have the keys to the kingdom and yet it doesn't look like he's ruling and reigning in our life because that's what it means to be a part of the kingdom you have the rule and the reign of christ and that's today's big idea When Jesus rules and reigns in your life, everything you do points others to him. So I want to spend a few minutes from this passage talking about how we live out the rule and reign of Jesus. And all I would ask is that you do this. Honestly, you evaluate your life against the scriptures. And try to determine whether or not Jesus is ruling and reigning in your life. How do we do that? Well, the first thing Paul says is you've got to understand your position in Christ. So he starts out saying in those first four verses to the church at Colossae, Hey guys, remember you've been raised to life with Christ. That's your spiritual condition. That's what distinguishes you. You have been raised to life with Christ. Throughout all of the New Testament, Paul uses two words to describe being a Christian. He says, you are in Christ. Say that. Say, in Christ. One more time. In Christ, that's what it means to be a Christ follower. It's not about a prayer I prayed at some moment that all of a sudden I prayed and forgot it and nothing's changed. It's certainly not about some personality that expires me, and, and that's become a big part of the church today, celebrity leaders. It's not about programs that we go through. This is not some 12-step journey, though sometimes those things are good, right? They can be helpful. No, and it's, it's not about a place, I'm not different because I walked into a building. That would be no different than thinking I I turn into a Big Mac if I go through the McDonald's drive-thru. No, it's about the person, Jesus. It's about understanding that I am in Christ. Everything in my life now is filtered through who Jesus is and what that means. There are Jesus implications in everything. And when I begin to realize my position, then people see me differently because I have those Jesus implications in my marriage. I have Jesus implications in my work life. I have Jesus implications in my neighborhood. I have Jesus implications in the classroom. I have Jesus implication in every relationship in my life. But if I don't understand that position, then I just look like everybody else. And people don't see Jesus in me. So, I want to ask you today, the first evaluation is to determine if you are in Christ. Because I tend to concur with the great evangelist, Billy Graham, who in his day would have said 65% of those who are active in local churches are not really Christians. Because... Their lives don't demonstrate it. So, are you in Christ? Well, how do I know? Well, first of all, you need to understand that if if the Bible's true, which is what I believe and what we teach here, then you were not born in Christ. Regardless of your family, regardless of the good things you've done, you were born in sin. And that literally means you were separated from Christ. There was nothing you did. That was the nature that you were born with. And so if nothing else changed in your life, you would live in sin. And as a result, you would die in sin. Because according to Scripture, the punishment of sin is one thing, and it's death. The wages or the cost of sin is death. But that's not God's desire. God's desire is that you be in Christ. So Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you're truly a Christian, what that means is there became a point in your life where you recognize you were in sin. And that sin was keeping you from God. So you agreed with God. You confessed about that sin. You looked to Jesus and you understood that when Jesus died on the cross, he was doing so not for general mankind. He was doing so for your sin that he forgave you. And so you received his forgiveness. You turned from the direction you were going where you were in control of things. And you went the other way. You said, Jesus, I want you to be king. I want you to be Lord. You surrendered And you began a life in Christ. This is what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. That means you're different. So let me give you a news flash. I'm not God. (laughs) I don't know what's going on in your mind. But I'm just telling you, according to Scripture, if you prayed a prayer or walked down an aisle, if you were dipped or dunked, if you've been through catechism or confirmation, whatever you want to call it, church class, but nothing's changed in your life, it's hard to think that you're in Christ. And so what you need today is not another church service. What you need today is to be saved. You need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be in Christ. The Bible calls this being adopted into a family. I think God uses that because that's something even 2,000 years later, we can understand, right? Our family's been through an adoption. What takes place? You have an individual that is born into one birth family. Then through a process, a legal process, you go into a court of law and a judge asks questions. It's one of the scariest days of my life. A judge looks you in the eye and, and asks questions and talks about commitment to parents and And then after that process, a person legally becomes a part of another family. They're adopted into another family. If you've done that with children, we have a name for what we call that day. We call it Gotcha Day because that's the day that we gotcha. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor
0: Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement